0: welcome to full stack business owner today we are answering questions from you the listeners and the community and if you want your question answered there are two ways to submit your questions the first one is if you're in the newsletter just hit reply to one of charlie's emails we'll save it and we'll actually answer it in these sessions and the second one is message us up on the facebook group as well we're very active over there and so we'll answer any questions that you have but before we get started let's cue your infamous disclaimer charlie
1: Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way shape or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products.
0: All right. I do like our voices and how we are operating. This is, I think you articulated the best way, Charlie. It is what? Are you interested or dedicated? <laughs> That's interested or committed. 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 So I got, I got about a litre worth of tea next to me and a coffee in the same cup. So no one knows that it's different.
1: Yeah. So that saying, it's actually, I'm trying to remember where it comes from. It's uh, one of those motivational things, obviously, but it's like we used to say when I was racing bikes. So when I was cycling in the middle of winter, where you get up at like, 5 a.m. Like, are you interested or committed? That's what'd be going on in the group chat. And it's like, if someone sends you that, are you interested in winning a race or are you committed? Yep. It's like you you go like, right. You get up and you do the unthinkable. Like, Pissing down rain, pitch black. But I love the mentality it brings out in people because <laughs> no
0: one wants to be the the guy that says, "I'm just interested, Charlie." I'm going back to, back to sleep.
1: Yeah. Well, are you interested in building wealth, Grant, or are you committed? Well,
0: that's exactly why people listen to this podcast. And I am committed to this podcast, which is why I will demolish my voice to give it to absolutely everybody. So let's dive into this one. So the very first question and answer that we have got, Charlie, is this. What is the most important skill to develop for building wealth?
1: I love this question. I love this question so much. I I spent time thinking about it. I was like thinking granular, I was going macro and like I come down and I brought it down to I think one got one here
0: one so I, I i split it out like a very first thing that i'm like i'm like is there complementary business owner skills and wealth creation skills and i really found out that like the skills required to be a successful business owner is very 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 different to the skills that are required to be successful at building your own wealth and so i when I, i'm exactly super excited to hear what you're going to walk through because when i thought through that i'm like yeah, this is not going to be a typical answer that a lot of people provide.
1: Are right, you ready? I actually wrote these. I've come up with well, so I've got three that are kind of linked uh, together. But I'm going to say I think the most important skill uh, business owners or everyone really needs to develop is long-term thinking. Do
0: you think delayed gratification in that, or just long-term thinking?
1: Well, do you know? Finally, delayed gratification was my runner-up, oh, no and worry. then my third place was risk management. Fair. So I think uh, what I've seen quite commonly is the people that have been like mega successful at building wealth have been the ones where they've been able to take a long-term view and then work towards that so they don't like sway in the moment of the day-to-day or whatever the latest news is, right? So like they've got this very like – because time is the biggest factor, right? So when you look at uh, let's say people who've built wealth, it's this compounding effect of like they get – gains year on year and that compounds into it. And yep. when someone's like short-term thinking, is like they never take advantage of that. So those assets never get to compound in the right way where the person who adapts a long-term thinking kind of mindset is like they don't sway away from that. They allow it to keep happening. So is delayed gratification a part of that? Definitely. Mm. A lot of people are taking like the money they've got in their hands now and not spending it on something that is for, let's say, uh, in the moment enjoyment and going, I'm going to put this aside for a better future. And like that plays into it hugely.
0: It was actually interesting. There was a, a large mining company. and I won't name, it, name its name because I'm friends with one of the executives that used to work there. And what they actually did was they took a whole heap of their leaders and management team and they put them through this evaluation process. That There's some company that does it in the States and all it is is a full day like psychiatric evaluation to understand how far ahead you think. And we're talking like, do you think one month ahead? Do you think one year ahead? Do you think 20 years, 50 years, 100 years? And interestingly enough, when like Barack Obama did this, it was like 50 to 100 years. So decisions he was making today, he was always thinking about the ramifications that was going to have in 50 to 100 years. And fascinating enough, there was a 30-year-old at the time that went through this and they found that he had like a 30 or 40-year-ahead Thought process on all of the actions that he had today and so they grabbed him and actually promoted him because obviously these people decide where the company is going and are going great the decisions you make today we want to make sure that we're reaping the rewards over the next 20 30 40 years and that's what we need in leadership and so it was actually really interesting to see that they were using that as a barometer of the people who are going to drive success in a business and so i could only imagine just how valuable that is in in wealth creation right
1: huge I think this probably does translate across into business as well, right? Because if you imagine the person who's just trying to make money this week, it's a very, very different mentality to someone who's trying to be successful over the next 30 years.
0: Yeah. Very different. But I think it's it automatically changes someone's mindset from like going out and trying to play a status game today versus trying to play a wealth game. Like It's almost like no one who's thinking about the future is trying to play a status game today. <laughs> Right, because there's, it, they're completely opposed based on the actions that you're doing now versus like, am I going to try and show you that I've st- like got a better status than you've got? Well, no, I'm going to wait for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That's interesting because I, I took this from a very different approach. So I was looking at different skills such as like financial and analytical, uh, economics and markets, uh, wealth concepts and sort of frameworks, uh, knowledge of different types of assets and asset uh, awareness. Uh, education, research, all of these different things. And I came back and I I kept saying to myself, I'm like, imagine that you dumped me in an economy or in a market that I had no idea about. How would I make sure that I could build wealth better than anybody else? And I'm like, great, found some foundational knowledge is always a good thing. Some awareness of how to read sort of financial figures is a good thing as well. But I came back and said that the number one thing for me was education and research. So if I could learn about any market or about any asset with the support of a really good ability to research, which I think it coincided to the one-in-one education is not just the concept of learning, but it's also going out there and finding the information. I think it's, it's paramount because it means that you have the ability to find the right information, right? Which I think a lot of people sort of struggle with at the moment where they get information and they take that as sort of gospel, if you will, And they'll invest based off it. So, oh, Channel 9 said this about interest rates. That's gospel. And it's like, well, no, that's not research. That's not education. Go out there, look at people's myths, look at their personal biases, try and find the incorrect information that doesn't validate. I think if you have those fundamentals... You could literally crush it in not just business, but wealth in general, whether you're applying it to crypto, to property, to the share market, et cetera, because you can out-research anybody else where you can just consume knowledge and consume information as a really good core foundation.
1: Do you know, that's really interesting.
0: I-, I knew we would go
1: about this very differently. <laughs> I-, I love the how you thought about that though. I really do. I want to ask a follow-up question there. Um, when you look at the business owners uh, you deal with today or just in general, how many of them do you think actually spend time researching and
0: educating themselves? Minimal. Like a, I think they, they will do like a generic education. I, I shouldn't say minimal. They probably read the same books. So nine out of 10 entrepreneurs, I can guarantee, or business owners, I can guarantee you they've read like a rich dad, poor dad, and like maybe like a book called like Traction and, and things like that. So they, they do read and they do educate. But from a wealth perspective, like none. Like it's such a small amount maybe outside of like a, a barefoot investor or like a rich dad, poor dad and like that's it. Like that's, that's the, the whole extent of their wealth education. If you think
1: where a business starter starts, right, so when they first get into business, how much time they're spending in this like learning and educating phase. It's huge. And I find it interesting that as people go on in years in business, the amount of time they spend on education and research
0: becomes less in general. Well, I always relate it back to the ed- our educational system has always got tiers. And so everybody sort of perceives education as getting to a point where you don't really need to do it anymore, right? So we go to, what is it, to year, grade six to get into high school, go to high school into year 12 to get into university, and then we get out of university and we've got a job. Like that's what's inbred in us. And then the education doesn't necessarily need to continue from there. Because the way that we earn more, the way that we progress more is via professional education, which is at university, or by working more. All right. Oh, you've worked at this company for 10 years. Great. Go and You'll get a better job. You'll get paid more. Another company will come and hire you. So I actually think that it's almost ingrained in a lot of people, whether they like it or not, to think that education is like a destination. It's not like a lifelong journey. So how do you view it for yourself? Yes. Yeah, so for me, if I'm not learning something, or I'm not trying to consume more information. I'm already falling behind because there are so many more people coming into every industry, into every market, whether it's business or investments or otherwise, and they will know more than me. And they will make better decided, better decisions and better educated choices over and above myself just because they've got more information and they're better well-read, et cetera. So I carve out every day, carve out some kind of education, whether it's about wealth creation, whether it's about fundamentals, whether it's about business, et cetera. I always educate myself every single day by none.
1: See, It's so interesting, right? This is this whole like fixed mindset thing as well because I think people forget, and I'll put this into play, right, is the idea that if, let's just say you were a boomer, Right, And I know we're going to talk about them <laughs> later, so I'll throw them so in here. Let's, let's pretend you had a, a business and like you're a boomer. This is pre-internet. right? And you've gotten to this point where you're running a pretty successful business and you think you know all you need to be successful at this business. So you stop educating yourself. Yep. Now, that might have been fine if the world doesn't change. But then the internet comes along and then the world changes. I think a lot of good business owners pre-internet got smashed because when the environment changed and new technology came in, suddenly they weren't the educated ones who knew how to run this business well. Yep. The people who knew how to take advantage or did take advantage of new technology and educated themselves on that become the ones to unpick them. So I kind of look at it and like I, have, I, I make sure I have that situational awareness because if I think it's a leading indicator for me that if I'm not educating myself the chances are is that I'm headed towards stagnation and like some little whippersnapper or maybe even you (laughs) or someone who's willing to put in that education is going to come into an environment where they're so much more well-equipped to take advantage of the opportunities of today than I am. Like education, the way I think about it, is giving yourself the ability to seize and capitalize on opportunities. Like that's the benefit of it.
0: But how many people do you think are making decisions based off what they get? in their news or newspaper? Broad strokes. I'm going to say majority. And that's the problem. And that, that is like the underpinning to everything that we're sort of talking about when it comes to like research and education, because where do you go to get unbiased, unopinionated, non-entertainment based education to make decisions on your wealth? <laughs> like, and if you can answer that question, then you already want up on everybody else.
1: You also have to like take a student mentality to it as well, right? It's like, and as you go further and you're more successful in life, the more inclined you are to think that you're killing it and like you don't need to learn anything. Like you're the master, not the student. But the reality is is that you're probably a student in other areas of your life and uh, trying to remain that humbility. I I had a mentor very early on and he did pass on one thing that I thought was like fascinating to me at the time. He's like, just find people that have done it and copy the fuck out of them. That's
0: it. Just do that.
1: <laughs> Just do that. I always thought it was interesting. But when it comes to, like, as you said, like finding the source of truth, I become hugely biased towards or look at someone's like results and then look to what they're doing. And funnily enough, it's often quite very different than what might be the common knowledge or is accepted out in like the news or whatever
0: else. Yeah. And, and I, I just look at this and in the last episode, we were talking about interest rates where the knee-jerk reaction of everybody based on what the, the news was giving to them was, oh man, this is this is horrible. This is Everything's doom and gloom. It's expenses going up and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but if you did some better research, you did some better ed- education. As a matter of fact, if you applied your long-term thinking to this with some better education research, you'll actually go, yeah, no, this is probably just going to be short-term, no worries at all. How do I weather the storm? Or how do I take advantage of opportunities that are here? It's almost like both of them are so well in line. Maybe they play into each other yeah. here, right?
1: So if you're a long-term thinker, maybe you would research and educate That's yourself relevant. differently because you would be preparing for a long-term future. Where if like if you're a short, let's say you're just thinking about making it through this week, what's the point of
0: educating exactly. yourself?
1: Like what can you really take on this week? Exactly.
0: Oh, pff, I love that. Um, And I am going to mention so. What do you reckon my second runner up was?
1: It's gonna be either like finance skills or analytic skills. Something like data or numbers driven, I would guess. Yeah. So I,
0: I grouped them together, finance and analytical. <laughs> because it is so applicable. Like if you <laughs> oh, wait. we spent too much time together. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you can read numbers and you can analyze things just in general, you win a business and you win at wealth creation. Like it is. It is like the thing that sits below absolutely every numbers game. Like it's all Warren Buffett does is like read figures from every company he invests in for ages and tries to look for discrepancies. Like that that, that ability, I, I'm like, I don't think it's the number one skill, but I'm like, it is so applicable to everything that if you just know how to read like balance sheets, p ls et cetera, and actually understand what's going on, you win. You win anyway.
1: I think we can say there's many important skills, right? There are many. And of course, we're just our opinions on these things. But like clearly, if you have no number skills or you're not willing to invest in finance skills, it'd be pretty hard to get good at wealth creation in general. Yeah,
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I'm going to pick up another question on this one, Charlie. Now, this is a very open-ended question. I'm curious, did the baby boomers have it easier? And so for people who are listening to this, uh, baby boomers, there were like two of them. They were between 1946 and 1964 is when they were born, so that sort of 20-year period. So think about people who were like 55 to 75, if you will, and I just want us to compare it to people who were kind of between like your millennials and your Gen Xers, right? People are between like 25 and like 50 now, right? So if we were to think about people in their 30s going through this same journey, did the baby boomers have it any easier, Charlie? The damn boomers. They've
1: ruined everything. <laughs> they ruined it all.
0: <laughs> Given us their leftovers. <laughs> so I take that as a yes.
1: Uh, well, I have a victim mentality. And anytime <laughs> I can look to blame another generation for why I don't have success in my own life, I'm, I'm going to lean into I that. I'm going to take it. I, I hear it works, right? I hear being a victim really works. We should try it.
0: That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> should I go on to the next question now? Like,
1: <laughs> No. Uh, I, well, let's, let's unpack it a little bit further. So it's like, I think uh, the thing that comes to mind when I've heard this question in other circles is like the whole idea of like asset prices. Yep. So it's like, did the boomers have it easier? Because uh, when they were in their 20s, is their ability to purchase a house in a reasonable area in a reasonable job was lower? <laughs> so like, if you think of like, I'll just use some like reasonable ones, like teachers and cops and, like, people who worked in those professions, their ability to buy a home was much easier than it is today. Yeah, I don't think anyone can argue against that. I think it's very, very hard to argue against that in general. So from asset prices, I think absolutely millennials and Gen Xs have it substantially harder than uh, boomers did. So that side of it, tick. However,
0: dun, dun, dun. there's a
1: big however, the opportunities – Millennials have and Gen X's versus uh, the Boomers, like it's non-comparable. Like my parents definitely didn't have the ability to sell invisible shit on the internet, (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is any uh, info marketer that's been out there (laughs) or create e-commerce stores. Like you actually had to like, you know, have a a physical uh, place if you were going to start like a, you know, a retail shop or something like that. So the opportunity difference is just ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous.
0: And it' it's, it's interesting. I saw a, a meme the other day of like the Simpsons and it's like it's got the house of the Simpsons and they're like, this used to be, uh, was it Homer Simpson was the only one earning income and they could afford this house? <laughs> and, and I'm like, yes, I'm like that is thanks boomers. Like that is to me, the greatest example where you could have one working, one staying at home, like the mum looking after the kids or the dad looking after the kids. I don't really care. Um, and now like that's just not possible. Right. The other thing I thought was quite interesting is like home ownership in Australia went up to like 60% during the boomers time. And now everyone's like, oh, this whole concept of like home ownership is, it's, it's just not what it used to be. But I think too many people realize that we were like the top of the world. Like there are no other countries that have as many homeowners as we do in Australia as well. So I think that the boomers had an inflated a- an amount of wealth, right? Like th- they just didn't have the same opportunities, not just the millennials and Gen Xs. Oh, sorry, they had more opportunities than millennials and Gen Xs have, but they also had it over the rest of the world, <laughs> right? So it's not just them in their entirety. But I agree with you from a finance perspective. Like I group this into finance, like finance. Like if you're buying a house, you win. Like you had so many different opportunities available that I do not have at the moment. I then grouped it into education, and I said, "No, I reckon we have a better opportunity for education, but with a caveat. I think that we have so access to so much more information, as long as we know which information information to consume. Right? So they got forced their education, where we now can go onto YouTube or Skillshare or wherever. And consume whatever we want to consume in your pocket, (laughs) pocket. right?
1: You could literally get a course on practically anything for nearly free in your pocket, which they never had.
0: And so I actually think it's a double edged sword, right? Because you could go completely down the wrong path and just be a consumer where you just consume a whole heap of things, right? Like there's more, there is more distractions around technology now than there ever was before. But the opportunity, if you do choose the right path, is incomparable, incomparable. Um, So then, the third one that I had was like to your point, which is business owners. Heck no, man! I can make more money with the more opportunities that are available to me now than my parents have had. No worries. Yeah. Like they- how how much
1: opportunity was there for a boomer to make money from a spare bedroom and an internet connection?
0: Exactly. I still remember when I started my business, which would be like sixteen years ago, or seventeen years ago, maybe more, maybe less. Um, and I was trying to get a payment processor to support US dollars. Impossible, dude. I had to have $50,000 in a bank account with the NAB just to support a multi-currency account to go and take US dollar payments.
1: I'm just gonna say now, I wouldn't have trusted you. I don't blame <laughs> Yeah, they right.
0: But this was before all of like the new payment process and all these different things that are out now. And I'm like, that was me. And I'm like, I'm like I fit into this new world that the baby members didn't have. And so I'm like, so you could only really service as a business owner the people directly around you, they had no internet to sell to people. They had like, their market was infinitely smaller than our market, right? The dissemination of information was tiny in comparison, but their industries, and I don't have any statistics to back this up, but the industries that they could sell through and open businesses for, I reckon would be like a 10th of what we've got, like a 10th, probably even less, right? Like you only had things that people desperately needed and wanted, Well, now, man, I can go and pay Patreon go and give creator money just to consume whatever they record. Like those things just never existed before. And then the fourth sort of group that I had was like wealth creation. And I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this one. So I said that I think that the opportunity to create wealth is about the same. Now just hear me on this one. Yes, we have got more assets to invest in that they ever did whether it's NFTs, crypto, shares, um, property, it's et cetera, et cetera. And they typically only had like your, your gold and your shares and your bonds and all that kind of fun stuff. However, they were doing quite well. Like they had the same ability to create wealth because properties were going up, a lot of shares were going up, etc. that we had we just have more opportunities to screw it up, but also more opportunities to make more money. I almost see that as an even playing field from an investment and a wealth creation perspective. Now I'm curious as to your thoughts.
1: I actually agree. Really? I think that nets out. Yeah. I think on the both, uh, it's different, right? But I do think they net each other out. Yeah. So my, my kind of view on this is I look at it and go, the mistake millennials and Gen Xs are potentially making or could make is they're trying to live and be like the boomers. Like they're not yes. taking advantage of what millennials and Gen Xs have. Like you can literally make money as an influencer on Instagram these days yep. or invest in like uh, fractional things. Like I know that fractional properties become it and like EF, uh, what is it um ETFs, ETFs. Like have exploded. There's all this new stuff. So, and again, I look at it and go, the boomers had a very different set of like tailwinds and things that were great for them. And if they got involved in them, they did really well. There's also a lot of boomers that didn't and did terribly. Yep. So if you're a millennial or Gen Xer today, like wanting to live and be the same way as the boomers is the mistake. Stop complaining that that game sucks and you can't win it today. It's like, it's take advantage of what we have. Like, live in this new world. All the people I know that are killing it, that are millennials or Gen X's are the ones that have adopted uh, new ways of doing things.
0: And you know, it's you know really interesting because I thought about this one, one step lower. So to my opinion, like as business owners, we actually have a better off from wealth creation. Same, same. I actually think that if we educate ourselves better, we have more opportunities to make a boatload more money, but also more opportunities to wipe ourselves out. Our access to education far exceeds what they did. However, if I was to ask you this question, do you think that the baby boomers had it better compared to employee versus employee versus business owner? Versus business owner. I think that they're two very different things. I think if you're an employee, yes, baby baby boomers crush you. Like you don't, the education is not going to be as prevalent right? Like you're not running businesses, so you don't have the same opportunities. So I can completely see why the media is getting so frustrated and sort of saying these things like, oh, baby boomers had it so much easier, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, but then I put my business owner's hat on and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, this is is where it's different. So if I was an employee listening to our answers to this, I would completely disagree with what we're saying. But because we're all business owners, oh, heck yeah. Like this is is our time to shine.
1: So just as an example of that, if you're a teacher today, you've got it potentially harder than a teacher did 30 years ago when it comes to building wealth and lifestyle and all that. But if you're a business owner 30 years ago versus today, that's completely flipped. Exactly. Which is why I say, new game, be a business owner. Don't be a teacher in that example. Not that I'm against teachers, but I just think you want to play the game in a way that is suitable for today's environment, not 30, 50 years ago.
0: I think that's the benefit of everybody who listens to this. So my answer to did the baby boomers have it easier Yes, for to your point to assets and sort of bit, sort of financially based off sort of a salary and an income, sure. But as business owners, I actually think that we have like you never had like your millionaires at twenty that we have now compared to then, like no chance, and that's because of these opportunities.
1: I Wholeheartedly agree. Although I want to maintain again some of my victim mentality and have <laughs> someone to blame. So boomers, <laughs> this is you. <laughs>
0: I'd love just let me close out of that remark. So. Charlie, we, we weren't able to do this segment last week. So I'm going to bring this segment back. It's like, what are we pondering? So Charlie, I'm curious, what are you actually pondering at the moment? What are you thinking? What's going through your mind?
1: Yeah, health in, in, in uh, what would you say, in summary is the key topic here. One of the things I've really noticed, and we're both uh, unwell even as we record this podcast. But uh, in the last week, I've been really looking at like, uh, compared to my normal self, how less productive, less happy, basically less everything I am when my health isn't good. Yep. And uh, you know, there's there's this uh, infamous saying where it's like, you know, uh, most men want all these things, but a sick man just wants one, and it's to be healthy. So I'm very much looking at the way I've been living my life and running everything. Is like, is there things I can do? to ensure that I get sick less. Like, how can I look after myself better so that I can uh, take less of these things? Noting we're all human and gonna get sick, but I look at that right now and think that that is something that is on my mind. I'm looking to make change in this area.
0: So you're moving away from the east coast of Australia and running away from this cold front, this us.
1: Well, I actually thought the best way to do this is to build my own compound <laughs> where I don't have to deal with people and then the chances of getting sick will go down significantly. But then when I looked at it, it's like loneliness kills people as well. And I'm like, well, this is not good. This is very challenging. <laughs> this is,
0: this is it's funny. When I got sick, I'm like, man, I consume so many supplements. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm great at this. I, I consume a load of water. And I'm like, yeah, but I interact with other people. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely, definitely the, my flaw in the way that I approach it. So actually, I'm, I'm curious for everyone listening. What other things are the things that you're actually changing? Like, have you thought about anything or have you hit on anything that you are going to change?
1: Well, there's one thing that has most affected my health in the last few years, one thing. and right? So previous to this, I was like actually, I would say uh, a healthier person in general, and it's actually been having kids. Yep. So uh, the sleep thing. So I'd, we're pre-kids, I used to sleep much heavier and much more, where since having kids, notice, notably when they're young, particularly as you sleep less, and I just look at that as being probably the singular ramification that I've noticed on health decline for me. Is that when sleep goes down, my susceptibility? Is that the word? Yep, susceptibility. To getting sick so goes through the roof, yep. like absolutely through the roof. So I'm looking to put things in place now so I can sleep deeper and longer. I think that's going to have the biggest impact on my health overall.
0: So don't have kids for all the business owners listening.
1: Then we come back to compound building, I was saying
0: before. I was <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, I've never seen a greater argument for not having kids. This is fantastic. <laughs> Like, that is
1: not what I'm trying to get out of this at all. <laughs> like, Although I did definitely get some messages after the cost of kids uh, thing we released, whereas like that certainly did put some people off. And I, uh, were, oh, okay, there was actually
0: but yeah, there was actually a really interesting sort of post from Matt in the uh, Facebook group community. If anyone's listening to this, go and join the Full Stack Business Owner Facebook community. Uh, when he was assessing his kids, I thought that was great. Yeah, huge, awesome. All right, so for myself, the biggest thing for me is I'm actually, and it's interesting because we've literally spoken about this the entire podcast, I'm currently pondering about how I'm educating myself. And I'm actually interested in bringing this up because I do have a couple of questions for you. So I can actually hear how you approach it. So for me personally, I've kind of flip-flopped around uh, with my education. Um, Like sometimes I'd buy a course, I'd read a book, but I'd be based on topics that I thought I would need at some point. So think of it like, a squirrel sort of of saving their nuts. They don't need it now, but they're saving the nuts, putting it into the tree because, hey, at some point in time, I might need these things. Then I move to what I call like JIT learning or just in time learning going, oh, I've got this problem. Like, hey, I've got a sales problem. I need to learn how to do sales better. I will learn it now that it's a problem. So instead of like risk mitigation, it becomes issue problem solving. Um, And now sort of I'm aware that I'm like, is there one that's better across businesses or across sort of people in general? Like, is there, I'm just thinking about, should I have a hybrid mix where like I teach myself something new every single day, like I'll consume or educate myself on something every single day. And maybe, I don't know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it is solving just in time education of cool. This is a problem. I'm going to try and actively solve it. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, I'm going to consume, more generic information, like just to open my ideas to different problems around. So this is like one thing that I'm personally thinking about on how do I have a better regimented sort of education process, less about the time to educate myself more around, like, what do I educate myself with? So I'm thoroughly curious, like, how do you approach this one?
1: Well, before we get to that, I'm more curious of what sparked this. Like, do you feel you're not educating yourself at a rate that's fast enough and this is something you want to incorporate? Has it just been doing research for this episode and you're going, look, I can see that education is a key component here. I'm not putting enough into.
0: Yeah. So I think i put enough into education. I think that I have said, I think I've focused too heavy on education I haven't used and upon sort of reflection of that i'm like is that a ref- is that a reflection of me consuming the wrong information or the wrong educating myself on the wrong things or the fact that hey i just haven't prioritized what i really should have learned more and so i'm just like is that because i don't have the problem now so i'm not not using it albeit i can have an intellectual conversation with anyone about most topics that i've taught myself but it doesn't mean it's been valuable like i spent tens or hundreds of hours consuming information and educating myself on topics I don't think I've ever used. However, it's probably opened my thinking to different things. Um, and I'm just like, I can't really turn that into a tangible. of like maybe. How
1: annoying is it when you learn something and spend hours on it only for it to be useless? Yeah, or,
0: or you just don't <laughs> even know. Like, I'm sure I've got mental models that I use that I don't even know that I taught myself or that, that I learned at some point. And then, then I look at that and I'm like, oh, that was a waste of time. I'm like, ah, I'm just like, I wonder how other people think about this, or they just don't, and this is just the world that we live in. And well done, Grant. You just get to keep doing what you're doing.
1: I must say, the times when I've been like, I think educating myself the best is when I'm really interested in something. Mm. I find that if I'm interested in a topic, like, and I want to consume it, I'm like a sponge. Yep. When I force myself to educate myself on something, and I even if I know it's good for me, but I just I'm not interested in it. I just feel like there's such a diminishing return on that. There there really is. So like at one point I was um, trying to, when I first started my business, I was trying to educate myself on accounting and finances, but I just hated it. Like I just wanted to be educating myself on leads and sales. So I'd be like, all right, I'm here trying to do this like course on accounting and basics of bookkeeping so i could be aware of it and i'd be like oh, i'm watching this i'm watching this and like my hands would be working and just bringing up oh yep here's another video on facebook
0: ads Yep, <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> man i just don't care
1: but to yeah the- so you got it. yeah so for myself is like i actually try to follow my curiosity mm. and it's been massive and often uh that's been associated with like pains i'm experiencing life so when the wealth creation thing started so when I was like really curious about money and building wealth, I couldn't c- consume enough. Like I was endlessly fascinated. So for myself, is following those like genuine, uh, like true intrigue. When I am fascinated in something, like I lean in. Yeah, I think that's been incredibly helpful for me to follow
0: what I'm interested in. And is it always related to something that you're doing now? Like whether you were doing wealth creation at the time, or were you just fascinated about wealth creation, even though you weren't going to execute something at that point?
1: No, it's always, uh, it seems to be that it's something that's important to me in the moment. So I think yeah. you called it just in time learning. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's been just everything I've done. Now, how I do it, I think you might find a little bit more interesting these days is um, I used to be someone who would like the first hour of my day, I would spend mm-hmm. on education or come into my desk, have it set up. And like, I would just dedicate that time before I would open any of the other apps or anything yep. like that. And that helped me a lot. Like to give you an example, at a time when I was doing ads, I had come to the conclusion that hey, if I could write better copy, my ads would do a lot better. So I would come in for an hour. I would spend the first uh, fifteen minutes like writing. The next fifteen minutes I would do like uh, correcting the previous day's work, and then the next, you know, whatever was left would be like educating myself on the next thing. I, or I can't remember the exact routine, but it was like I would use an hour. I did that hard for like three months, and I got really good at copywriting. So it definitely worked. Um, these days, I, I don't actually do that at all. I found that all the education I do is actually done when I walk because I walk every day. Like I, I quite enjoy walking and I found now that um, there's like a athletics running track in my area. So like, uh, you know, there's like spongy, like yep. 400 meter tracks. So like if I'm doing a course, I actually do it on my phone now and I'll walk the track because there's no traffic or other people. So I can't like,
0: you know, have a mishap. Well, <laughs> Also, I'm trying to like walk down South Bank and like educate myself. <laughs>
1: that seems like that. Yeah, that just seems like a recipe for disaster. You're going to get taken out by one of
0: those scooters or something. Dude, they, they are fierce. Yeah. So um, it is one thing that's just on the back of my mind going, I wonder. And it's not, yeah, it's not just the information, it's how I consume it, how I'm interpreting it, but also how do I act on it, which I think too many people learn stuff and don't act on it, which is really sort of one of the keys for this one. Yeah. You want to make
1: education a habit though, don't you? This is one of those things where you want to have it embedded into your weekly routine. Like your default should be that you are becoming more educated, whatever that topic is. Yep. And it's like, if you've got good habit. I feel like that's almost like the cheat codes here. Exactly.
0: Cheap, yeah. Habits is literally the greatest cheat codes. Couldn't agree more. I'm going to wrap this one up, Charlie. So for anyone who's listening, be sure to be on the lookout for the next episode And don't forget, if you do want your questions answered, there are actually two ways to submit them through. First one is if you are on the newsletter, just hit reply to the email and we'll save it and we'll bring it up in one of these sessions. But also message us in the Facebook group, which is Full Stack Business Owner Community. Uh, And we'll go and take those questions and actually save it and answer it here. And if you do enjoy this episode, be sure to share it with someone else in your network who you think actually could get more value out of these episodes as well. And I just want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of full stack business owner.